Hello and welcome to Fertility Springboard, the podcast series brought to you by Fertility Help Hub. I'm Eloise, founder of Fertility Help Hub, and over the series I will be bringing you conversations with some of the most influential and inspiring professionals and experts around the world to arm you with useful and empowering thoughts and resources to ease your fertility journey. And don't forget to sign up to the newsletter to make sure you don't miss out on anything. It's packed full of inspiring interviews, resources, discounts and offers, competitions and real life stories. Hello, today's guest is Dr. Shannon Clark. She is a maternal fetal medicine specialist at the University of Texas Medical Branch. Welcome, Shannon. Thank you for welcoming me. I'd love to uh, for you to tell our listeners um, a little bit about yourself, and then we can mm-hmm. talk about babies over 35. Sure. Um, I am a professor in maternal fetal medicine at, as you said, at the University of Texas Medical Branch in Galveston, Texas, um, where I am a clinician, researcher, and educator in maternal fetal medicine. Oddly enough, uh, the whole babies that are 35 um, topic became of special interest to me because of my own experiences, experience of trying to start a family after the age of 40. So um, I, I did go through several uh, fertility treatments, and it took about two and a half years to conceive my twins. And then I had a complicated pregnancy, preterm birth, NICU stay. So I kind of experienced all the gamuts of everything my patients experience, which uh, kind of gave me a whole new appreciation for certain complications and difficulties that women after age 35 can have. And so um, in terms of your specialism, mm-hmm. Could you tell us a little bit about that, and then we'll go into yeah. uh, your own story? Yeah, so I, as a maternal fetal medicine specialist, I am an OBGYN first, so I did four years of residency in that, and then I subspecialized in maternal fetal medicine. So that means uh, I take care of high-risk pregnant uh, women, um, where the high-risk nature comes from either something the mom has, the baby has, or a combination of both. Um, so as a result, I do um, uh, a lot of, you know, premature babies, uh, moms with medical conditions, um, um, complicated surgeries uh, or cesarean sections due to abnormal placentation, um, anything that can make a pregnancy high risk, um, that's what I take care of here at UTMB. Amazing. And you touched on it before, um, mm-hmm. but I'm sure everyone would be interested to hear about your own personal conception mm-hmm. journey. Sure. So I um, married at 39 and a right uh, about a year and a half or sorry, right after I turned 30, almost 40, I was turning 40. Um, I had already experienced a miscarriage with a, uh, with a spontaneous conception. So I was 40 and some change and we went to see a friend of mine who is a fertility specialist and um, based on the statistics and the timeline we were on, and I was already over 40, um, my husband and I opted to try IVF. Little did we know that out of five IVF cycles, um, we would get 16 embryos that made it to the genetic testing phase, which at my age, just testing the embryos was recommended, and we did that. But out of the 16 embryos we got, only one was genetically normal. Um, that genetically normal embryo was um, uh, accomplished with the third cycle of IVF, but the, the transfer of that embryo did not take. Um, we did two more, which would make a total of five cycles. And then after no success, we decided to go um, to try a donor egg. Uh, we were able to get five embryos from our egg donor. 
the transfer the first two was not successful which is probably the hardest point in the journey uh, for both of us but especially me um, we took a little bit of a break uh, and decided to try one more time so we did transfer two more embryos and that's when I got pregnant with the twins who I delivered at 31 weeks uh, and one day uh, on September 26th of 2016 so they just turned four years old Congratulations. Thank you. When you were setting out on your um, trying to conceive journey at mm -hmm. 39, did you mm -hmm. ever, or after you got married, did you ever foresee any issues? Like, was age ever a concern in your opinion? So, listen, as an OBGYN, it should have been. I mean, I did get enough training to know that there could be an issue. But I think because I was healthy, I had no medical conditions, I was of a good weight, I exercised every day. I, I knew there might be issues, but I had no idea that it was going to be uh, required that much uh, extra help, I guess you could say. So that's kind of when I started my website, Babies After 35, because I was thinking as a trained professional, especially in obstetrics and women's health care, if I, and let me be real, I, denial was probably a component, I will admit that, but it wasn't the entire uh, component of it. Um, if I didn't realize the potential difficulties I could have at age 40 of conceding, what does a woman or couple who are not medically trained, um, what do they think? So my goal was to educate on those potential difficulties. Um, I also wanted to get the word out there that I, I see on social media a lot that women say, well, I'm going to delay childbearing for whatever reason. And there's plenty of reasons to delay childbearing. We no longer have to have babies in our 20s if we don't choose to. But, you know, they think, well, if I don't, then I'll just try, I'll just do IVF and that it's a valid plan B. And IVF, especially women of my age group, is not always a valid plan B. It does not work for all of us. Mm. So I wanted to get educated on that as well. Uh, IVF did not work for me. I had to use donor eggs. So especially for women after age 40, that is an important thing to educate them on and that they should be uh, aware of. So um, although there are plenty of women who uh, conceive spontaneously after age 40, there are many of us that don't. And I wanted to educate on that. Amazing. That's so true. Mm -hmm. So what would you say women should consider when they're trying to have a baby after, say, 35? The first thing is age 35 does not mean is, and is, is not, it's not written in stone that you're going to have problems. Okay. If you have pre-existing medical conditions and you're in your, and you know that you're probably going to try to have babies later in life after age 35 or even after age 40, get those pre-existing medical conditions under control. Understand that egg quality and quantity start to decline after age 35, but definitely after age 37 to 38. And then it takes a nose diet after age 40. Okay. Know what the statistics are. Um, if you're anticipating delaying childbearing and you're in your late twenties, early thirties, consider egg freezing. You know, many women are pursuing career interest and in wanting to do other things before starting a family, which I think is great. I did it. I, it took me 15 years to finish my training, but understand that uh, there could be issues the longer you wait. So there's certain things we can do to prepare our bodies as much as possible. There's not a whole lot we can do about our egg quality or egg quantity um, because of age. It, it is what it is. I know you hear a lot about you do this and it'll improve egg quantity or quality, and, but there's really nothing that shows that it, it, it helps um, in the data. 
So just be aware of that. See your OBGYN regularly. Talk to a fertility specialist if you're anticipating delaying childbearing so that they can see if there's any other testing or things that they need to do to assess uh, your fertility. Um, so those are some of the things you could do if you're anticipating delaying childbearing. And do you think that um, celebrities who have had babies mm -hmm. later in life, do you think that that gives people false hope? Absolutely, it does. And I'm going to say this. We are a social media world now. Um, we get our medical advice from social media. We get our support through social media. You get mom groups, the beautiful Instagram pictures, all of these things. We look up to celebrities, um, and you know, for the most part. So I have two thoughts on the celebrities who are having babies later in life, especially after age 40. The first thing is they don't have to be transparent about how they got pregnant. That is their choice. But women should also understand that there is a high likelihood that many women and celebrities who are conceiving later in life, especially after age 40, after age 45, that they're probably using help and even with donor eggs. Okay, so I don't want there to be, the, I think it should be positive. Of course, women can still have babies and, and use assisted reproductive technology, but not all women have access to that or have the funds for it. So we can't assume that just because a celebrity had a baby at 45 or twins at 46, or your mom had babies at 45 or 42, or your aunt did, that that's going to apply to you because that's simply not true. So we just cannot assume anything. The best thing we can do is be educated, get assessed, know where we stand. And the longer, you know, as you get start approaching your mid to late 30s, um, you need to start making a plan if having a child, especially spontaneously conceiving, is important to you. Absolutely. I think that's great advice. At school, when people are at school in the States, do they get educated on fertility and reproduction? Are you talking about like in like sex, sex education? Yeah, I just feel like I know for the UK, there's so much around not getting pregnant. And I feel like there yeah, needs yeah. education around what happens if you can't get pregnant and also perhaps more about your fertile window so that you're armed with that before it could be too late. So do I think that educating about potential loss of fertility with aging should be in high schools? I don't. I think the basics of reproduction and what it, you know, contraception, things like that is where is what should be. That's just my personal opinion. But I do think where we can educate women about their future fertility and the potential complications or implications of delaying childbearing is with the well woman exam. In the States, women go get their pap smears. They are supposed to see an OBGYN regularly. That is where they can get that information. And I will say that largely and having been trained, Myself as an OBGYN, even though I did specialize in something different, we that is not necessarily part of the well woman exam. Asking them, hey, when do you plan or do you plan on having children? Um, and assessing that every time you're in front of an OBGYN, we can do a better job of that. But the good thing is that the word is getting out. It is on social media. If the doctor's not asking you, you should start asking your doctor about it, okay? Because sometimes there might be other things that need to be addressed in the visit. So you can be proactive and start asking questions yourself if your doctor is not. So um, if you haven't heard it before, now you're hearing it. It's, it's something that should be discussed more for sure. I agree with you. And for those who um, might be looking at trying to conceive or having a baby later in life, uh, what would you say the considerations are for pregnancy after, say, 35, 40 
So I think, you know, um, you're getting past age 35 and on. The first, I think about it as hurdles, okay? The first hurdle you have is getting pregnant, especially if you're wanting to spontaneously conceive without any assistance. Uh, you know, there is an increased risk of miscarriage and pregnancy loss in women as they age, and that's due to the decreased egg quality or the, uh, the quality of the eggs, which can increase the risk of chromosomal abnormalities and pregnancy loss. Okay, so that's the first thing to consider is the, the hurdle that you might experience and even try getting uh, conceiving to begin with. Then say you do conceive and, you know, there is an increased risk as you age with having a pregnancy with genetic abnormalities. Um, you know, getting the antenatal screening to see what your baseline risk is based on whatever method is chosen to, for the antenatal screening. And there's a bunch of different things that are available. Um, as the pregnancy progresses, then getting the anatomy scan, which every woman is entitled and should be getting an anatomy scan at ideally 18 to 20 or 22 weeks to check the anatomy of the baby. Uh, and then you put those two together if you see any abnormalities on the anatomy scan and then with the antenatal serum or antenatal screening, uh, that puts your, your pregnancy at increased risk of other abnormalities. Um, and then once that hurdle is passed, you know, and I say this and a lot, I get a lot of kickback from women when I say this, but it's true. Women of advancing age, especially as you hit 37, 38, and definitely after age 40, are at increased risk for pregnancy complications based on age alone. Even if she's healthy, she has no medical conditions, she's of a healthy weight, she is still at increased risk based on age alone for diabetes, high blood pressure, and those complications like preeclampsia, uh, needing a cesarean section at delivery, having problems with the placenta or the placental location or placentation as we say, um, possibilities of preterm labor and delivery. Um, so all of those things are increased are at increased risk for women who are um, of advancing age when they conceive. Um, but that doesn't mean every woman is going to have a complication. It's just something as, our, as obstetrical care providers that we need to be aware of, we need to be vigilant uh, about and consider that when we see a woman who walks into our office who's pregnant at age 39, especially if she's a first-time mom. Um, you know, I uh, got pregnant with twins, and I was on two months of hospital bed rest. I delivered early. Wow. Um, so, you know, that was probably more from having twins rather than having had, you know, fertility treatments, and, and also because of my age. So, you know, that I was prepared for, and I knew that that was likely to happen once I realized I was carrying twins. But a lot of women are not prepared for that. So asking questions, um, you know, if you are pregnant uh, later in life, uh, asking questions of your doctor, um, you know, what do I, you know, what amount of increased risk for, especially if you do have pre-existing medical conditions. Um, those are all things that you should talk to your doctor about. But I don't. I what I don't want is to scare women and make you think any woman think, excuse me, that because you're 39, you're, you're doomed. Yes. That is simply not true. Yes, exactly. Being educated, uh, doing the necessary testing, getting the anatomy scan, having your health well controlled, you know, doing what you should be doing in regards to what your obstetrical uh, care provider recommends. That's all crucial. And many women have perfectly healthy pregnancies and babies. I think that's great advice. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. And um, you obviously mentioned that you went down the egg donor route. I have sperm donor conceived children too. My husband is okay, okay. um, infertile. So yeah. I just wanted to know from, uh, from someone else who's been there, for you, what, what was it like uh, making the decision to move on to donor eggs? So I think after we had already gone through five failed cycles of IVF, the decision to use donor eggs was not a hard one. 
Okay. Yeah. I was actually very thankful that it was even an option. Okay. And a lot of people, and I, I'm just going to, um, this may not be what you're asking, but you know, many people will say, why didn't you just adopt? I, I just want to say that as a, as a critique of many women who go through fertility treatments, I do understand why the critique is there, but I want just people to understand that adoption is not always guaranteed and it's not always easy and it's not always cheaper. So every individual couple and woman or man or whoever who's going through this has to make that decision for themselves. For me personally, why we tried is because I went OBGYN. I deliver babies. I'm around pregnant women all the time. I wanted to try my best to experience pregnancy. That was very important to me. So having the option, uh, right or wrong, whether it was right for me. Um, having that experience and trying uh, to, and then deciding to use donor eggs and me carrying them was an option for me. And that's what I wanted to do. So that's why I chose that route. So the choice to use egg donor uh, was not hard. Picking the egg donor was a little bit harder for me because going through the registries and looking at the different, um, um, you know, women who are donating their eggs, I, I kind of got the feeling that I was trying to replace myself, which yes, technically I was, right? But it was just hard for me. So I, I had my husband do it um, because I, I just told him, you know, we picked the five most important criteria that were the most important for us. We narrowed, you know, using those five criteria, we, he found or picked three women and I picked, ultimately picked the final one out of the three. And it was just much easier for me. So I didn't have to go through profile after profile um, myself. So that was probably in the whole egg donor process. That was the hardest part. Um, but what was really difficult was when we transferred the first, had the first failed embryo transfer with donor eggs. That was probably the lowest point in my whole journey because I had put so much hope and I felt like using donor eggs was going to be the cure. Yeah. And we failed the first embryo transfer and that was utterly devastating. It was where I, I and my husband wanted to just stop right there. So we did take several months off. Um, we went to Peru to kind of reset and we, when we came back, we decided we wanted to try one more time. And thankfully that's when we got, um, pregnant with our twins. I, I had the same experience with a failed round with donor sperm. Um, yeah. and in a way the timing gave my husband more time to grieve his own genetics because it had just sure. happened after his failed micro tizzy operation. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. however, like you, I kind of felt like this was always our next step. So mm -hmm. what do we do now? This hasn't worked. What do we do now? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it, it's really difficult, isn't it, to move on and think, right, well, we're, as you said, what are our options moving forward? And, and what do we feel, both feel comfortable doing again and working out whether that is to try again or for some people not? It's, it's such yeah. a personal decision. Well, I, I will say this, and I was talking to someone about this just the other day. Through this whole process, um, I get asked all the time, what's my biggest piece of advice? My biggest piece of advice is to start therapy. Because I don't think people realize until after it's said and done or your journey's over and whether that journey ended positively or not, the amount of trauma, both emotional, physically, and mentally, that someone can go through in this process. And... Um, even though I came out on the other end and I had a positive outcome, I am still fear experiencing four years later some of the trauma of that and the fear of loss and the anxieties of everything that I went through. 
And I truly wish that during that whole process, I had been seeing someone to talk through it uh, that could help me uh, experience those emotions and handle those failures and those traumas better. Um, so that would be my biggest piece of advice for anyone who's heading down a similar path. I, I cannot uh, express enough how important I think it is to, to get help and get therapy through that process. I completely agree. And I think it can be mm-hmm. so easy to focus on the med- medical side, can't it, when actually yeah. holistic well-being is so important. Well, I think that um, especially if it, the journey ends positively, meaning you end up taking a baby home, and no matter how long your journey may have been, that the common belief is that you should be cured now, right? You got what you wanted, no matter how long the journey was. For some women, the journey is very short. For some couples, the journey is very long. And there's many couples who had and, and individuals who had a much longer journey than I did. But that's not necessarily true. I found that even though I have healthy twins, that there's still some residual trauma there. So, um, and that's okay to have those feelings. And I want anyone that's listening to this to know it's okay to still have those feelings, but that we need to take care of ourselves and get that addressed. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I agree. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Dr. Mm -hmm. Shannon Clark, for your time today, um, for everything that we've covered. Any last thoughts for anyone who might be concerned about their age or getting checked or using a donor? I mean, I just, for the age thing, you know, I, I want um, women and couples to know that you have an option of pursuing other interests before starting a family. I think that is wonderful, but just be educated, be proactive about your fertility um, and what your, your reproductive choices are. Get your health assessed, get your fertility assessed along the way. Um, and that means both, if, if there is a couple, both, both persons in that couple or even as an individual. Um, so just be proactive and educate yourself. Don't assume anything based on what your mom, aunt, sister, how old they were when they had children. Don't assume anything. And also, like I said before, don't bank on the fact that IVF is going to work if you can't conceive uh, spontaneously. And as far as the donor egg thing, I think that um, I was probably one of the most vocal people back when I was talking about it because I wanted to be transparent um, about it because I, I, a whole lot of people weren't talking about using donor eggs. And I wanted to let women know that, there, that this is an option and some of us do use donor eggs. Um, but it's, it's every individual is different. And if you, it's not for you, that's fine too. Okay. So, um, it's all about what's best for you. Absolutely. Thank you. That's Mm -hmm. really great advice. And how can people contact you if they want to find out more information? Well, I'm on, I have a website, babiesafter35.com. I'm also on Instagram at babiesafter35, Facebook page uh, at babiesafter35. I get a lot of messages through, mostly through my Instagram is where I return messages and I try to get to them as quickly as possible. Um, but if you're in the area where I work, um, I'm a maternal fetal medicine specialist in Galveston, Texas at the University of Texas Medical Branch. Amazing. Thank you very much. It was Mm -hmm. great chatting with you today. Thank you.